0: today and it's called ask anything that does not mean you can ask me a question right now from the audience all right you guys uh submitted questions you guys voted on those questions and we're doing a series on those questions so this will be a 10-week series and we're gonna it doesn't really go in the order of like top 10 but it's close enough and uh so here's the questions that you guys came up with that made it into the series we'll do a panel discussion at the very end which we'll have some questions that didn't make it as far as a sermon but there'll be like questions that you guys did ask that we can do for a panel discussion at the very end. So if your question didn't make it, don't cry, it's okay. It might be later on in the series for the panel discussion. So um, here's some of the things you guys thought of and y'all voted on. Um, how does the couple know they love one another? Aw, so sweet. All right, uh, how do we avoid being numb in our faith? How do we make sense of the Bible and science? How do I share my faith? If God knew we would sin, why did he create us? And what does the Bible say about depression? How should Christians relate to politics? That'll be a fun week. How do we pray and hear God's voice? And how do we overcome sexual temptation? And then today is going to be... Today's the one that was like the most popular for the whole series. So it's all downhill from here, right? Um, And today is... What does a Christ-centered friendship look like? So many of you guys said you wanted to talk about that, so we're going to talk about that today. And uh, this was the most popular question, and we talk a lot about community, of course, here at TBC, but community is only as good as our friendships. It's only as healthy as our friendships. I know that most of us like to talk about, you know, romance and love. Like, listen, whenever we do a relationship series on those things, it is always The most tuned in that I see you is uh, during that time. Um, But listen, that will only be hopefully just one of your future relationships, the the romantic relationship. But friendship will be many of your relationships throughout your entire life. Now, we're going to kind of paint the ideal today of what I think biblically we should shoot for. But you might walk out of here today and feel a little bit depressed and think, I'm not sure I really have any true friends, right? So this should not lead to that. This should not lead to you saying like, none of you all measure up to what Dave just said today, so I'm out. Like, that's not what it should lead to. It shouldn't lead to some judgmental thing where you're gonna like, you know, rebel against all your friends after today. So be gracious with one another as we talk about this topic. Uh, So first off, let's define the kind of friendship that we're talking about today. So think of this as a four-lane highway. I'm gonna turn on this little remote deal. All right, so think of this as a four-lane highway. you get the left lane, you've got the middle, two middle lanes, you've got the right lane. So whenever you're on the highway, you know the left lane has the fewest number of people in it typically, but they're also moving the fastest and they're kind of all going at the same pace, right? So that might be considered like your closest friends. Few people, but they're going the same pace as you and you, you have this kind of like-mindedness in your, in your friendship. Then there's a couple of middle lanes. You may have casual friends or acquaintances. Might be more people in those lanes, but you're just not as close and you're not always traveling at the same speed. Then there's the right lane people, right? These are more like impersonal relationships. You know these people, but they're not that personally tied to you. And that always has more people in it. And so somebody can be in your life can be traveling along with you in the left lane, and for whatever reason, they move to a middle lane. Or they may even take an exit ramp as far as they're concerned. But listen, that's going to happen in your life. That's going to happen with friendships. And so we're going to ask you to be gracious, be understanding with each other. That's just the nature of how friendship can go and how, what can happen. So at times, though, that can happen because one of you wronged the other person, or vice versa. And if that's the case, you may need to talk that out. And, but sometimes it can just start to happen naturally where you begin to just drift apart for whatever reason. So for the sake of this talk, we're gonna be dealing with the left lane only. This is like close friends that we're talking about today. And we're asking this question, you know, what are the pillars of Christ-centered friendship? Now the first one is what we call affection. And this is a biblical idea. And uh, listen, the, the big idea is that true friends have affection for one another. That just means they like being around each other. That just means they enjoy each other's company. And one great example in the Bible of this is the friendship between Jonathan and David. If you want to look at study of friendship in the scriptures and kind of say, how can I apply this to my own friendships? Look at that friendship because there was a deep and abiding friendship. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1, says, As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So that expression, that, that they had this love for each other, like as if it was their own soul, there was like this soul connection with these two men. Now listen, let's be honest. Girls are probably better at this kind of thing than guys are, just naturally. I think for um, a lot of guys, we can struggle with this because we think it can come across as creepy or weird, right? If you consider yourself this close to another guy friend. But I think guys have this way of of keeping things at like a, a surface level sometimes, like rarely sharing deeper issues and struggles. Or they might even hide behind... You know, sarcasm, obviously, is a, is, a, is, a, is a great pastime for most of us guys, right? And uh are just making fun of each other is kind of how we show affection sometimes. Um, but I think it's missing what it means to be a real close friend in this way. So the first is affection. <coughs> guys, I'm over the flu, so on the front row you're safe, I think, all right? Um, the second is what we call Constancy. And we see this concept in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17, where it says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So this means that they have a a true commitment to the friendship. Now, we gotta be careful because friendship isn't the same thing as marriage. You know, like you can't, we can't totally equate friendship like as if it's, it's not the same thing as marriage. Of course it isn't. Because marriage is like this very defined covenant relationship. It's a relationship based on a promise, right? It's legally binding. So friendship isn't like that. But at the same time, there should be this sense in which, like, a friend can be constant or a friend can be committed in this way. I'm going to grab some water over here. This is actually my water, not someone else's, just so you know. But I'm kind of feeling like I'm going to start coughing in a minute, so... Someone's like, he's just grabbing someone's random water. <clears throat> anyway, um, so there's constancy. And so it's not the same thing as marriage, obviously. <clears throat> but at the same time, if, if someone in the friendship starts being manipulative or dysfunctional in the friendship, then the other person, they have a right to pull away. In that, in that situation. You know, I think at times we view friendship as no commitment or there's no effort involved in the friendship. I mean, th- we mean, think that's the beauty, right, of the friendship. <clears throat> Anyone have a cough drop I can borrow? Anyone? <clears throat> Look. So now I have to do a talk with, like, a cough drop in my mouth somehow. Can you unwrap this for me, please? I think it's it's proof. No, I got it. There we go. All right. It's like, it's like the worst fear where you're like talking and suddenly you start getting that like thing in your throat and you're like, I'm going to start coughing again. <coughs> Anyways, this hasn't happened in a long time. All right. Let's try to do this sermon. <clears throat> Man, it really hit me today. Um. All right, so we see we see this sort of constancy element in the friendship of David and Jonathan. They are covenant friends uh, with one another. But some people approach their friendships like consumer friendships. Like just, I'm only going to be in this friendship as long as I, something, there's some benefit in it for me. And uh, the consumer friend doesn't really want you. They only want what you can get give to them in that friendship. Proverbs 19:4 says wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. So it's not just wealth, but there are aspects of someone that might draw other people to them. It could be humor, personality, just popularity, it could be wealth. But those external things can bring many new friends and can be a reason why people want to be around that person as a friend. But the person who has little to offer, everyone else, is maybe deserted by their friends. So the way that you know whether a friendship is a consumer friendship or a covenant friendship is what happens when one one person no longer has those things to offer the friendship or they're suffering in some way. That becomes the great revealer whether or not the friendship is a consumer friendship or a covenant friendship. A guy named uh, J.C. Ryle, he says this, the world is full of sorrow because it is full of sin. It is a dark place. It is a lonely place. It's a disappointing place, but the brightest sunbeam in it is a friend. Friendship halves our troubles and it doubles our joys. So whenever you find yourself in a place of pain and, and some kind of suffering, When you're going through that, but you have close friends to walk along with you in the middle of that, they have a way of cutting your pain in half or lessening the load. On the other side of that, though, whenever you're experiencing something that's joyful or great or wonderful, when you experience that with friends, they've got a way of doubling the joy or tripling the joy with whatever you're experiencing in your life. So here's a couple of warnings for you. Do not be, when it comes to being constant as a friend, don't be someone who's overbearing, right? Don't be someone who can't, like, read the room, okay? And uh, don't be an overbearing type of a friend and, and think that, that that just means constant. Because sometimes you can kind of cross the line and become overbearing in your constancy, if that makes sense. Also, don't make someone feel guilty for not being as constant as you want them to be. I think one of the hardest things to navigate in friendship is when you've got a close friend, and you consider them to be a close friend, and then they come to you and they say, you know, I just don't feel like you're prioritizing the friendship like I am. And you're sitting there going, uh, what friendship, right? Because it's now put it in an awkward situation where you're like, all right, this is getting weird now, you know? And so you understand, like, you can't you can't approach your friendships that way and make demands. Like maybe you see yourself as this uber friend who's just like really good at these things and they come naturally to you and they're just not as good as you are and you feel like you're starting to judge them now. You can't approach friendship that way and 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 um and make someone feel guilty for not being the way that you think they should be in the friendship. The third point is transparency. We see this in uh I think a good verse for this in 1 John 1, 7, where it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So true friends, they walk in the light together. So walking in the light is not about being perfect, but it's about admitting that we're not perfect. So as we confess our sins to God and to each other, you're going to find that you have forgiveness with God, of course, but also you're going to find that you have true fellowship with God, but also with other people as you walk in this light in the way that John mentions here in First John. Whenever we open ourselves to trusted friends and you're transparent with someone, you share things with a friend, and they don't move away, but they move towards us, that's when the friendship really begins to gain traction. And that's a refreshing thing when you find that in someone else. Um, I think of examples when, as every year of course, whether it's a, an event that we have, whether it's Impact Camp, when you guys begin confessing and being transparent with each other, um, with your struggles or your fears or some, of your, some sadness experiencing in life, when you begin to open up with other people, We see community begin to develop. We see uh, a closeness begin to develop among many of you. And this thing is a natural thing, because whenever you are, if you're someone who says, you know, I just don't really know how to get close to people. I, I just feel like it didn't really happen for me. Well, the question is, are you ever transparent? Do you ever share anything about yourself? Do you ever ask them and ask them those kinds of questions? Like, hey, how are you really doing? And give them a green light to be transparent with you. Friendship is not that complicated. It's like, if you can do this with with some people in your life, you are going to have natural friendships. It's going to happen in that way. This one writer says this, we crack open the doors of our souls to our friends, and when we don't, our friends gently knock because they care enough to see how we're really doing inside. Every one of us needs at least one person who knows us as well as we know ourselves, perhaps even better than we know ourselves. So again, I'll talk to the, the guys again briefly, because we need transparency, not just about sin struggles, but emotional struggles as well. I think this is where guys can struggle once again, because there are, there are really three kinds of emotion. There's sadness, there's fear, and there's anger. And out of those three, anger is the only emotion accepted in our culture, especially for men. Men are allowed to be angry in our culture because there's like this righteousness element attached to it. So you see it on the sports fields, you see it in politics, you see it everywhere that our culture communicates to men especially that you're allowed to be angry because anger feels like it has strength to it. But, but sad or fearful that's not a permissible emotion to have if you're, if you're a guy a lot of the time. So what guys tend to do is we begin to stuff down things like fear or sadness and never deal with those things. And we, we push those things aside because that shows maybe it sounds weak, right? It sounds, it sounds like weakness. But what will happen, especially with, with young men is if they, if they keep on pushing down those other kinds of emotions like sadness and fear, it will come out as anger because it's got to come out some way. And it often comes out as anger. So how do you learn the discipline of things like transparency? Well, very simply, what, what are some of your fears? What are you, what are you sad about? What, what angers you? One thing you can start doing is begin to start writing it down and writing out those thoughts. And then start talking about it and confessing it. And if you begin to learn that discipline in the context of friendship, it's gonna eventually help you in marriage. Trust me, one of the things that women often will say about their husbands is that he doesn't share anything. He never opens up, he's never transparent. And if you were to ask guys, we might say, well, I don't know what I'm even thinking half the time. I'm not even sure how to put it into words. And so this is why I think it's so important for young men especially to develop this discipline of being transparent. And it may start with you just writing things down and articulating your thoughts that way and then finding people you can say those things to and share those things with. That is a great habit to get into so that whenever you do end up marrying one day, this comes more naturally to you. Because the most important friendship you're gonna have is gonna be with your spouse. So it's your friendship with, even here in high school and college, is gonna be helping you to grow towards that one day when you're married. The next principle is honesty. Proverbs 27, Verses five through six says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now, what does that verse, what do those two verses mean? Well, one of the questions that you all asked was how do we confront someone who lives different at church versus at school? And so I'm actually including that question here in this talk on friendship under this point, because a good friend loves someone enough to give faithful wounds, and they also love enough to do it kindly and to be nice about it. So if someone I know is heading into foolishness or heading towards sin, if I refuse to tell that person and warn that person what they're about to do, I am hiding love from that person. You know, we often we hold back these things because we care more what our friend thinks of us rather than what they need from us. And we all struggle with this. One of the hardest things in a friendship is when you see your your friend heading towards a cliff is that nobody wants to say anything because you want to just keep the peace. And you want to just avoid and say, "Well, they're going to they're going to reject me as a friend if I if I do that, so maybe if I just don't say anything, maybe I'll just keep the peace and I'll, I'll, I'll have influence on them if I can just be present with them as a friend. But listen, at some point in a friendship, you need to say something if you see someone heading down that pathway. I think of all kinds of examples. You know the examples that we're, we're talking about, like ways in which you see your friend heading towards a cliff and it's like nobody wants to say anything. Or maybe you want to, but you just don't know how. And you don't know the timing, and you don't want them to think that you're judging them, and all those kinds of things. And I get that. But I think we have to, at some point, if we care enough, we can't hide love from that person. We have to go to that person and say, hey, I really care about you, and this is really a hard conversation for me to have with you, but I need to say some things that I'm concerned about with you. And I think you'd be surprised at how many of your friends would, they may disagree with you, but they will understand that you care. And they will give you the benefit of the doubt knowing that you care about them, knowing you said a hard thing to them, I think is a, is a really, they will understand it as a loving thing that you did for them. We've got to be careful because there's also the person who just really enjoys rebuking people. There's a person who just they just they love that. They're like, "Give me a give me a chance to say truth to someone and I will do it with with that person and that person and I don't even know their name. That person I'll tell them too." And there's people like that, right? I will be honest, I feel like I was kind of like that when I was in high school. I was kind of a jerk sometimes to people. And I would say, "Well, this is the truth. This is the this is righteous. This is good." And and it's like I look back and go, "Man, I handled some things very poorly when I was in that phase of my life." So there is honesty, but if you're if you're someone who just enjoys confrontation, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And and you're not coming at it with the right spirit and the right mindset when you have those kinds of conversations. And I know that for many of us, you're scared of the friendship ending if you have those hard conversations, here's the reality, it may be the end of a friendship or it might be put on temporary pause. They may come back to you later on and say, you know what, that was one of the most helpful things. If you hadn't stepped in and warned me in the way that you did, who knows where I would be today? So understand, like, take the long game approach when it comes to your friendships. Another good place for you to go is Matthew chapter 18. I'm not going to read that, but you can look at that on your own time. But that's, that's more in, in relation to when a friend sins against you. They're not just like walking in some kind of sin, but they're, they've sinned against you in some way. Matthew 18 walks you through, this is what you should do if your friend sins against you and how you should handle that. So you can read that on your own time. The next word... I want to show you is the word empathy. This is a really important concept because this is the ability to to feel what someone else feels and to see what someone else sees. This person can detect someone else's emotional state and they can adjust to it. And I love the couple of verses here in Proverbs that relate to this. One is 25 verse 20 where it says, whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Now I'll explain what these concepts mean. Because whenever whenever someone is going through a really difficult time and you're just down, you're, you've suffered or you're going through some kind of mourning or you're just having a really tough situation, there's always that friend and you share this, you share with your friend what you're going through and they're like the uber positive friend who just says, you know, get over it. Let's listen to some music, right? They're the person, they just want to sing songs. They just want to put a band-aid over it. They just want to like, let's play some music. Let's be happy. Let's be joyful. And you're like, I don't want to do that right now. That's not how I feel right now. So that's the person who just wants to they just want to sing songs to a heavy heart. This is not like the good kind of songs. This is the kind of songs that's just like, hey, snap out of it. It's time to be joyful and happy. And you're like, it's not that time for me. Not right now. They they Proverbs equates that kind of person, someone who can't read the situation and have empathy, to someone who, when it's cold outside and you're in your jacket and you're and you're all warm and 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 cozy, the person, it's like they walk up to you and just yank your jacket off, right? They just yank it off of you and now you're freezing. That's what that person is like. They, they, their personality just, it just kind of grates upon you and just makes you go, "Ah!" Oh, will you stop it? Or they also use a picture of it's like vinegar and soda. Everyone knows when you put vinegar with soda, it explodes. They, they, don't, they don't mix too well. They, they, don't, they don't mix together too well. So this person never understands the emotional moment. Vinegar and soda don't mix well, so this person's words never mix well with the situation. They, they can't read the room. They don't have emotional intelligence sometimes. Another verse in Proverbs that relates to this is, is 26, 18 to 19, where it says, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says i'm only joking now what's being said here if someone is being deceived there are people who you know try to play a trick on you or they may even lie to you and now you're hurt by it you're hurt by the lie and then when they realize it, they go, "Well, I was, I was just joking. I was just messing with you." It's like, no, but you hurt that person now. And listen, if if you're if if you're if you're joking or you're teasing or even your deception is causing other people to be hurt and harmed by it, you can't say, "I'm just joking." That doesn't work, because now you've done damage to this person and to your friendship. So if your joking causes someone else to get hurt, it's not a joke, it's actually sin. And I love the, the the image in this verse because it's, he says, like a madman who throws firebrands and arrows. That's what this person is like. Do you understand what he's saying? It's, it's like if someone were to walk up to you and like jam an arrow in your chest and physically hurt you and you're like, you just jammed an arrow in my chest and you're like, oh, I'm just joking. That doesn't work because you hurt that person. Like you physically hurt them. So you can't say I'm just joking about that. So it's really important for you to understand. So someone who's not empathetic, empathetic is gonna struggle to have real friends or at best they're gonna be surface friends. Drew Hunter, he writes this, empathy shapes The whole tone of a relationship. Without it, we trade honoring friends for one-upping them. We trade affirmation for sarcasm. We trade talking with for talking at. We trade listening to sorrows for changing the subject. So whenever someone suffers, it can be hard to know, what do I say? How do I have empathy for that person? And I know for many of us, we try to avoid people whenever they're suffering, because we're like, I don't know what I'm going to say. What, what am I supposed to say? But Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And sometimes that's the best, that's the absolute best thing you can do, It's just simply that. Weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Now, it's true, we can't be close friends with everyone. Now, you'll probably have Two to three close friends at a time, and they may change throughout different phases of your life, and that's okay. So um, I want to close with this question. How do we cultivate Christ-centered friendship? And I'll cover these points very quickly. So very simply, talking face-to-face, that's an important thing, I think, for you to, if you're going to cultivate this kind of friendship. And again, let's be honest. I think girls are better at this than guys are, at least at first. But everyone has to learn how to do this. Being curious, asking questions, being someone who listens well. You know, there's some, at times people, they wanna have all these intense personal conversations and, and that's where the face-to-face stuff comes into play. But you should also be okay with simply doing things together and just being casual about it. So being, uh, talking face-to-face is important. Doing things side-by-side. I think this is where guys are maybe, they are good at this. We're okay with doing stuff together, which is great. But we've also got to be okay with going deeper in conversations and, and not just doing the activity and that's it, right? There's eating around the table. This is why we do what we do on Sundays and Wednesdays is sharing meals together. That has a way of creating an environment where friendship is likely to happen. And then also be encouraging. If something comes to your mind that you really appreciate about someone who's a good friend of yours, say it to them. Encourage them in that. That's not weird. That's a biblical concept. So be encouraging. And then lastly, don't be overbearing. Don't be someone who, again, you can't read the room. You can't understand. You don't have emotional intelligence about the friendship. So don't be overbearing. Then I'll close with a couple of quotes here. We have few friendships because we are not willing to pay the price of friendship. The secret of friendship is just the secret of all spiritual blessing. The way to get is to give. And then Drew Hunter goes on to say, as we do all this, we give our friends grace. If we need our friends to be perfect friends, we'll become terrible friends. The best advice for cultivating friendship is not to find a better friend, but to become one. And so we're kind of going a little bit late, so I want to have you guys go to your breakout